Series 6 was recorded in March 2022 over the internet. The following content may contain strong language. Welcome to Series 6 of the Playwrights Podcast with me, Omar Elarian. This series will have a special focus on the international writers the Royal Court Theatre works with. So today I'm with Nazareth Hassan. Nazareth Hassan is an interdisciplinary artist working in writing, performance, music, sound, video and photography based in Brooklyn, New York. His performance score untitled 1 to 5 was performed at The Shed this past June and is being published this spring. He has just sound designed the play A Song of Songs by Agnes Borinsky at the Bushwick Star in Brooklyn and he has released three singles since 2021. And good afternoon, Nazareth. Uh, hey. How's it going? It's good. It's very sunny, very bright here in Brooklyn. Great. And the thing I like to ask at the beginning of our podcast to, to the playwrights is, um, what do they see outside the window of the room? <laughs> I'm seeing, uh, so I have like a little fire. So I'm in the back of the building mm-hmm. and I have a little fire escape. Uh, that's black. And then I have a tree that's like right next to the fire escape that like bangs on it at night. Uh, and it's super loud. She's very like aggressive. She's a very aggressive tree, but she's bald right now. So she's having <laughs> leaves. Uh, and then outside beyond the tree is like this huge hospital. That's kind of scary looking in the distance. Right. And is Brooklyn home? Brooklyn is home at the moment. I actually will be moving to, to London um, in June. Oh, wow. Which is exciting. But Brooklyn is home. Brooklyn's been home for, I've been in New York for about eight years. Right. So new chapter ahead. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I'll, I wanted to start with a question about theater making and, and, and theater in general, just because I was reading um, a few of your plays uh, earlier this week or last week. And um I think in one of them, you kind of offer quite a scathing analysis of theater uh, and its role. So my first question is, um, why theater? What brought you to choose theater as the medium, one of the mediums of your work? Because as we've heard, like you're quite a polymath. I mean, I think theater, you know, theater is, um, it's one of the few media that can actually hold all of those interests, you know, like I can, you know, work in sound, I can work in video, I can write, I can choreograph and it still all be the same piece of work. And I think that uh, is definitely like a part of it, just the sort of dynamism of it. But I think, um, I think theater is like, I have a very like emotional like connection to theater. Like I think, that theater was a place for me when I was growing up um, to both like to rest, but also to like sort of expunge and uh, to release things, you know, Um, to create like the world as I saw it, but also create the world as I wanted to be. Um, And I think it was a place where I felt comfortable being able to like simulate pain simulate pain and simulate um confusion or things that i you know that i found it harder to express like you know in daily life for any given reason um or like shame shame i think is a big sort of uh i mean that's an emotion i like approach theater with um because it's so social and it's so sort of um virtual i guess it's like a virtual emotion Mm -hmm. you know i think those kinds of emotions that are you know ubiquitous but also private um are the the things that i was using theater to sort of parse through um and i think every i think also the reason i've sort of stayed like theater is you know theater is not easy to Mm -hmm. be a part of theater is not easy to make nothing about theater is like (laughs) it's simple um 
And I think the reason that I've been able to stay with theater for so long is because it can hold so many different parts of a person, um, of me. Like I can sort of, um, there's not much I can't talk about in a, in a piece of theater or not much I can't sort of um, parse through. So I think that's why theater has become like a, a very turbulent lover of mine, I'll say. <laughs> and do you have like a inciting incidents incident with theater? Like, do you have uh, a, a first? No, oh my gosh. Or... I do, I mean, I well, I started making music. Like that was probably the first like piece of art, like art practice that I started was music because my dad was a musician and my grandma was a musician, um, and so I was like playing the piano and playing saxophone and all that stuff. Um, and then I started doing musical theater, like through that. And I think mm -hmm. I remember the first time I did a musical, I did um, Susical. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh, um, I did Susical. And I remember the first time I like ran out on stage and like saw the audience and like hit whatever pose I was hitting or whatever, the, like, um, and sang the song and, and they were all applauding. I definitely think my ego like felt very good and like, you know, I was very validated by that moment. But mm. I think there's also something like about the like enormity of like a crowd of people mm -hmm. being like having their attention focused on this other crowd of people that was like endlessly fascinating to me. Like I was just like, how do, um, like why is this gathering so potent, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I think I also like, I grew up in like a sort of like partially mixed religion family. Like um, part of my family is Muslim, uh, part of my family is Baptist, my grandpa's Catholic. So like there's all these sort of different like religious m like rituals that were happening mm -hmm. and sort of other forms of theater that were happening in like churches and mosques and all this stuff. Um, and I think I always was like sort of analyzing it more than I was participating in it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what led me to directing. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. And so how, how did the writing or the kind of making come through? Like at what point did you kind of, yeah, uh, started thinking, this is the thing I like to do. This is a place I enjoy to be. Um, well, I kind of was, you know, I was, I was like very, I'm very, I think something I still am, I'm very like, uh, I guess mercurial mm -hmm. in my attention span and my interests. And mm -hmm. so like as a kid, like I was, you know, writing and doing all these kinds of things um, just at whatever piqued my interest at any given time. But um, I think that around the time that I got into college, I had like decided I was gonna be a director because I was sort of disenchanted with like what it felt like to be a performer um, and feeling sort of trapped in, not trapped in my body, but trapped in the perception of my body and, and sort of feeling the like history of, you know, being a black person on stage, you know, in America and like how mm -hmm. sort of like our bodies, our experiences are, um, you know, physically, oftentimes physically, like, you know, uh, managed in a very violent way. Mm. Um, and so I think coming out of that experience and sort of, you know, violently turning the other way and being like, I'm going to be a director and like, I'm going to create my own world and da, 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 da you know, um, I think I was yearning for some sort of, uh, you know, um, personal investment in the work. I think when I got to school, I was like, oh, they want me to direct like, you know, fucking like Eugene O'Neill and like <laughs> freaking Romeo and Juliet and like, you know, like, and like stuff that's important, I guess, in some, in some way to like have experience with, but I didn't have any like emotional connection to it. It didn't feel like, you didn't feel like that sort of catharsis or mm. the catharsis that they were talking about, I didn't feel, you know, yeah. and I, I needed yeah. to sort of um, write something that was more accurate, I guess, or more uh explosive or more mm -hmm. you know expository maybe um 
And I remember I had a teacher, I had a TA who wrote a play that was like completely bonkers. His name is Jordan Baum. Uh, and we actually went to grad school together, which is really mm-hmm. funny. Um, but he wrote this play that was like really crazy and uh, was about this like turbulent relationship that he'd been through. And uh, it like broke something in me. And I was like, oh, like he can write anything, like <laughs> write anything yeah. I want, you know? Um, and I think after I saw that play, I like went home and like wrote some like two pager that was like really chaotic, you know? And I was like, oh, I could do whatever I want, you know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, w- it was really fascinating to to read your work, which made me want to see your work. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, in a way th- there is this sense like the page comes becomes quite alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was reading Untitled, um just for the people who are listening to us it's like this um there's like these directions but like there's pages of pages of ha's and who's and laughter um which of course you know made my imagination kind of wander a bit like how does it how do you come up with writing in a way that yeah is as far as possible from Eugene O'Neill or Romeo and Juliet as you <laughs> mentioned very very performative in that way so yeah, yeah I, I wanted to know a bit like how did you develop that kind of very specific line of inquiry working with actors working with performers and I you know a lot you know it's honestly sometimes it's as big a mystery to me as it is mm. to like mm. other people I think um a lot of times I'm writing from a place of like you know, self-reflection mm-hmm. or trying to, you know, see something or understand something about myself that is alive in me, but I don't have the words for that isn't sort of, uh, it's incongruous, you know? Mm. Um, so I think a lot of it just is like, it's like gut to page. And then I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, what did I just write? <laughs> um, I think part of that has to do with like the musical, like my musical background. Mm, like mm. I think a lot of my plays I approach from a very like rhythmic place. Mm. Um, and because of that, the plays sort of have a, I think it harshens the plays sometimes because they are so sort of, I think they're crafted to like, to hit the body or to like affect mm. the body physically in the way that rhythm does, mm. you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think there's something about like me trying to create like sort of like, um, a sensorial usage of a word or sensorial usage of like text Mm -hmm. within the theatrical experience Mm -hmm. that isn't just sort of cognitive, but is also Mm -hmm. like physical or bodily, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that's how I experienced the whatever it is I'm writing about, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like something that is not cognitive or is not able to be processed in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you ever have any pushback in terms of how you present this work on the page? Because I guess sometimes, you know, if you go to uh, whatever, university or kind of playwriting course, of course they will tell you, oh, here's a bunch of examples and here's how you write the three act linear play how yeah how was it for you to kind of get uh yeah i mean i definitely was like you know it was gently and sometimes not so gently mm-hmm. uh guided to use final drafts mm-hmm. you know um <laughs> but i think that you know i was just sort of i was just like when i was an undergrad i was just writing so much like mm. i was writing like i remember there was one summer where i wrote like three I felt like three or four plays of varying lengths and just like, was just pumping the shit out. Um, and so at a certain point, like, you know, I was bringing work into my teachers and it was like so much that they were just kind of like, you know, I think like they felt like a little hands off with me and they were like, mm-hmm. we're just going to like, let you do what you, <laughs> you should do. Um, and I really, you know, I think, and I had some teachers who also like encouraged that, like who encouraged, you know, um, a more poetic a- approach to, mm-hmm um formatting a play because also like i think formatting a play has to do with the rhythm as well you know um 
creating music on the page means creating a visual sort of uh, orientation that is like that, like also does what you want the text to do to the mm. body, you know. Mm. Um, and so by the time I got, I, I went to a grad program that was like super um, like experimental. It was run by Mac mm-hmm. Wellman and Aaron Courtney. And so they were like, by the time I got there, they were like totally on board okay. with like all the sort of <laughs> experimentation. Um, and they actually pushed me further. That's where I wrote uh, Untitled actually, was in grad school. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I actually think I get the most pushback from from theaters, mm. like especially stateside um, mm-hmm. theaters that are like, well, this isn't, you know, I can't, I don't know how long this is going to be because the formatting is all fucked up. And I'm like, well, I guess you're going to have to do the play then, you yeah. know, like, you know. And, and uh, which brings me a bit to the next question that I wanted to ask you, which is about, you know, the role of theater and specifically new writing, um, where, where you live, where you work. Yeah. Um, because I do feel, you know, having worked in London for a long time, but also kind of coming to New York to see shows or kind of receiving a lot of work from the States, there is often a distinct, uh, and I, I think especially uh, with, you know, your generation of, of playwrights, you know, the, in the last kind of 10, 15 years, um, we often saw uh, reading plays that there was, a, there was much more radical use of form and um you know the plays were much more experimental to the ones that you know i mean of course we had experimental plays or radical use of form in the uk but not as much and not as pushed so i was wondering you know you probably have also been kind of seeing shows in london and um, how do you compare the two and um well it's such a like complex question. I think about this all the time. You know, I think about mm-hmm. the like mechanics of how theater sort of exists, like what the purpose of theater is in any given mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then how that how that meshes up to like the purpose of text in theater and the purpose of language um versus anything else. And I think um I feel as though like here writing is taken for granted mm-hmm. um, in that, you know, I think, and that's something I've noticed in the UK as well. I think this is a sort of Western, excluding Germany, a sort of Western trait. Um, but I think that text is looked to as like the thing that will anchor, Mm. right? The thing that's going to like place, place us not only like in a story, but, or, or in a particular context, but also place like center and like rock the room, Mm. you know what I mean? Um, And the collaborators. Um, And that's a lot for uh, some words to do. Like that's a lot of pressure, you know? Mm. Um, and so when you have, when you build a, a structure around, you know, a particular part of this art form, you know, when you put so much pressure on it, it's like that the thing that that play needs to do is beyond just self-expression or beyond just like experimentation. Now it needs to support the financial, you know, um, aspirations of a theater. It needs to support, you know, subscriber bases. It needs to, it needs to like pull, it needs to like do all these things. And so then what happens is like the play itself becomes, I think, taken for granted, you know, we, we need plays to be so steady and so um, like dependable that we can't Mm. let them become slippery. We can't let them become new or, or experimental or, or uh, dangerous, you know, Um, because literally the entire structure of, a theatrical production is balancing on top of this one play, you know? Um, And so I think that here a lot of, I think the reason why theater is not a, like, you know, uh, is not a in fashion medium is because of that, is because 
the theater won't allow it to be. Like, it, it feels as though it needs this particular form of play, mm. this particular, um, you know, three-act structure or what have you, uh, in order to, like, maintain its own structural integrity. Um, how, how do you dismantle that? I mean, you do dismantle it in your own work, but in terms of presentation within institutions and within the within the industry, like as an artist, what kind of agency do you feel you have? Um, that's wow, Amar. You're asking the hard questions. I, I mean, I don't feel like I have any. Mm. Honestly, I mean, I. That's kind of why I don't like only work in the theater mm -hmm. because I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, I feel that I think, you know, maybe what you were referring to earlier about the um, inside of Vance of Black, that essay about mm -hmm. hopeless theater. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that is sort of at play when I enter theater spaces, mm -hmm. you know, especially in the States because um, I don't feel as though well, there's this tension between theater having been greatly freeing, a great release to me, you know, places where I've like seen myself in ways I've never seen myself and mm -hmm. been able to see other people and like pull things out of other people that they haven't seen in themselves. Um, there's a tension between that and then this feeling of like, you know, walking into a theater and being told that, you know, it's too risky or it's too, or this play, the way you work does not literally fit inside of our structure, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think that like, I, it's kept me working in places like the shed mm -hmm. or, you know, going to galleries or, or working interdisciplinarily because it, it's sort of, you know, it's hard to continue, you know, sort of putting all of your, energy into tapping on a door that just is like won't open for you, you know, mm -hmm. um, or won't open for you in the ways that I feel like I deserve, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a complicated dance, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes, and I think also theater because theater is so small as well. It's like, there's an aspect of like, I can make theater with the people that I'm in community with, mm -hmm. you know, like the show mm -hmm. I just did at Bushwick star was, was nice because I was working with um, artists that I really like, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it wasn't about like showing up to a room full of strangers and like having to like sort of do some sort of dance. It was about like actually like, you know, engaging theater as a community building experience or like as a social experiment, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. No, it's interesting because I, I think, especially during the last two years, when of course a lot of theaters had to forcibly shut down, and yeah. uh, you know we've been going online or kind of trying to, uh, I don't know, distill or reproduce some of uh, what we were trying to do on stage uh, onto another medium with you know not necessarily always the best results right. um but to me for instance it sharpened that and speaking with other theater makers as well that need of proximity that you were talking about like the fact mm -hmm. that actually we need to be in a room and the people that can come in the room are actually you know in a radius of the place you're doing it you know right um while you know often the industry is seen especially i guess in new york being kind of Broadway theater capital for the US people coming from all over the world all over the country to consume it so it feels to me like that kind of tension exists between you know theater as a you know capital yeah. the, the, theater and then actually a more immediate and kind of genuine um, form that you know, can happen in a basement or can happen in a big room, but you know, right. where, where the audience, where the people are actually the, the real important element, not the kind of bums on seats. Yeah, definitely. I think theater is, it's such a like, it's just so crazy to me because theater is like, you know, it's, it's the medium through which we, I feel like I say this all the time, but it's the medium through which we like, you know, 
like the philosophers who developed our understanding of theater also side by side developed our understanding of the self, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like it was where we learned like this, this feel, this idea of like being a human being is about reflection and refraction of the self through others. And, you know, and I, and it's such a, like, uh, I feel like that's like the most human thing ever, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's so applicable. And yet, you know, when I look at what theater actually has to offer the world now, it's like so far removed from that and Mm -hmm. so far removed from its own understanding of its like power, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, And it's hard to sort of, it's also weird sort of being interdisciplinary and working in like, you know, working with visual artists or working with dancers and seeing Mm. how much of their medium or, you know, the standards within their medium, which they also have standards. I'm not saying that they're perfect, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, how much of, for example, like the visual arts world is sort of dependent on newness to survive, right? Like it's about trendiness in a lot of ways, or it's about, you know, the next new thing. And so it forces them, forces artists to always be thinking on the, on the broadband of that. Whereas Mm. in theater, it's like a lot of theater training is like, here's how you write, you know, (laughs) the, the arc of the play. And like, this is the denouement. And, you know, it's like, it doesn't really line up with the way other artists approach their work, you know? Um, It's really strange. It's very strange to me. And you being a kind of musician as well, like how do you navigate that difference? Because music of course has like a, again, a different way, a different immediacy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. How how do you kind of switch a code switch between the two or do you code code switch? switch? I, you know, I don't, I, uh... well, I think that theater making is, is for me, theater making like obviously writing is writing, mm-hmm. right? But to me, writing is not uh, theater making, yeah. which is yeah. complicated. But, uh, you know, I write a lot of different things, write songs, poems, plays, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so for me, theater making is, a, is a, an almost entirely social art form that mm-hmm. is about like, when I get into the room, I'm only making theater when like, things are reacting and like I'm an idea bounces at me. I create something, send it back. It, you know what I mean? I'm directing or like, like that to me is theater making. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making music is a very private process, like practice yeah. for me. Um, and like I share it with people, obviously I, um, I like make music for plays and make music for dancers and, and, and stuff. I make my own music, but I usually am like, you know, inside of my own, bubble inside of my own body sort of trying to manifest some sort of feeling or create a sound that then creates the feeling that I'm feeling in that moment or matches the feeling I'm feeling in that moment. Mm. Um, and so I don't, I feel like in that way, they're sort of sometimes at odds. Like mm-hmm. I think that in a similar way that like, as a writer in the theater, like that work is also very private as well. Like, I think a lot of the times, most of my work is like me sort of sitting, you know, toiling in my own body or toiling in my own sort of mental space and then just sort of like needing to share and the sharing being the sort of theater making, you know? Um, So I think similarly with music, it's like, uh, um, I think it's like, when I feel like I really need to be like understood or really need to be like seen is when it's like, I can transition into that sort of theater maker brain, you know? Wait, so, and I was reading uh, Vanta Black, uh, which I don't know if it has already been performed. It, uh, yeah, it has been yeah. <laughs> in, in a few different iterations. Yeah, oh, okay, great, great. So, uh, it hasn't had a premiere, but it's been performed. Right. Um, and it's interesting in that play. I mean, there's many things in that play. But one thing I was uh, particularly interested in asking you about was um, the, the concept of reparations. Mm-hmm. And um, just because in the play, it kind of gets um, articulated and then kind of exposed and, and looked at from many different angles. 
Um, and is that something that, for instance, is a theme like that, which is quite big, something that you feel the medium of theatre allows you to tackle in a way that other mediums don't allow you to tackle? Well, yeah, because it can it can make big things small and small things big. Mm. You know, it can theater is about scale to me. Mm -hmm. Theater is about and not just I mean, it's about physical scale, but it's also about internal emotional scale. And like, you know, I can make something that is like such a tiny, tiny moment, mm. massive and huge. And I can play out the same moment for two hours if I want, you mm -hmm. know, um, I think that's something that theater like in particular allows you to do that. I don't think other things can. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think definitely like I think the way that reparations were written about in Vance of Black um, was all about scale. I think it's mm -hmm. about you know I think that reparations is such a big sort of idea, and it's like more of a theory than a practice, really. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's obviously happened in certain places, but. Um, I think that for me, I was able to take sort of like the grandiosity of reparations and make it into, you know, how is that playing out on an interpersonal level? Mm. You know, and I think theater is one of the places, one of the few places where like, you know, I can take something super uh, opaque, mm. something super um, like a rambunctious idea and make it into something that is like livable. You know, um, which I also think that play maybe was trying to do was like sort of imagine a world where, you know, something that won't happen could and imagining how something that won't happen could be livable, you know, knowing that in our bodies this is something that probably won't happen in my lifetime for sure. Mm -hmm. um, like how might it feel to like indulge in the fantasy of, of that, of it being livable? You know, and do you do you imagine an audience when you write, or do you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> do you imagine an audience? Do you imagine how they feel? Do you have expectations, or is there a sense of just like, oh, let's um, try this experiment and see what happens? You know, I don't, I don't imagine the audience mm -hmm. when I write. But I don't write cinematically either. Like, I don't imagine it not being in a theater. Like, it's mm -hmm. always a performance. But I think sure. it's because I'm the audience. Right. So I'm writing it as if I'm watching it. Mm -hmm. um, which I haven't thought about in a long time. That's a good question. Uh, Why I'm asking, sorry, just to contextualize a bit, is because I felt seeing a lot of work over the past few years coming from, from the States, I mean... Um, especially around um, around race and around the, the 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 rub in American society and more globally of course but especially in American society um, I felt a lot of the times that there is a sense that certain plays you know um, Jackie Siebel's Drury's uh, or um, Jeremy O'Harris's play um, they they are kind of looking at something in the audience um, and having been in that audience uh, a few times, uh, there is this sense of um, who is this play for or who is this, you know, how many different people is this play for and how is it interacting with different people and different experiences at the same time? Um, and I was intrigued by how it plays out in a certain way in an American context. And then when these plays get brought to What's Europe, your ex how, how do you experience them being different? Um, like the way that it plays out in America versus... Well, uh, it's interesting. I, I feel like in the UK, because I've not seen these plays, for instance, in Germany or Italy, where I live, or, or mm -hmm. France, where I, I've, I've lived from many years but I see them only like through a British lens and it feels to me to a certain extent of course we live in the American psychosis uh, mm -hmm. so we absorb it um, because we're part of the kind of culture but at the same time I feel a lot of the times the references uh, can can become 
can lose themselves a bit or cannot match necessarily the same experience that you have in Britain. Um, and especially, you know, the, the discourse around race, there are similarities, but there are also huge differences. So I, I do feel there is a difference. There is not a qualitative difference. You know, there is a, a, a difference in terms of how the energy in the room kind of um, moves around. And um, yeah, I was just curious whether, you know, working in New York, you see your work, like what kind of audience, that's why I was asking the question about like what kind of audience, what if you imagine an audience and whether you see the work kind of shifting depending on what audience you have in the room. Well, I want to, I kind of want to push you a little on the question. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, because I think, you know, me and Jeremy Harris's work and me and Jack Asubi's Jury's work is very different. Yeah, yeah, of course. That, uh, you know, we all are writing about race, but we write about race very differently. So I, I wonder then, you know, when you say what kind of audience am I imagining, or, is the question actually, what do I hope to get from an audience? Like in writing these kinds of things or... Or am I writing for a white audience? Like what, like specifically what? No, 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 I wasn't. Uh, no, it, it's just genuinely the question is like when when you think, because I, I felt reading it, it felt like there was a sense that this is in the room with people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and thinking also about like theater spaces like The Shed, which is not like a new writing venue, it's a more experimental uh, uh, kind of venue. Um, I'm also, I'm always intrigued as a, as an artist, what one expects there to be in the room, uh, mm -hmm. when, uh, when, you know, the marketing department does their job <laughs> of mm -hmm. bringing people and whether you, f you feel like you are getting the audience that you want, or you are just happy to put the work in front of the audience that, is brought to you by say the institution or well, anyone, you know, anyone that's doing theater mm. knows that a theater audience is going to be white and mm -hmm. like moneyed, right? Like they, there are of course outliers in that. Mm -hmm. And I think the UK maybe is a little bit more diverse in its audiences because the, the <laughs> plays are cheaper, yep. but uh, yeah, I don't think that I'm ever writing a mm. play for, a room of black people because that's never been my experience. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, I think honestly, I'm writing my place for myself mm -hmm. first, you know, like I'm the reason why I think my plays can come out as a, as experimentally or as differently as they do is because the theater hasn't, doesn't really have audience members like me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Forget about writers like me. They don't have audience members like me right. who wants, you know, who experience emotion that I experience or who understand double consciousness or triple consciousness the way I experience it or, you know, who, who um, approach psychology and approach our understanding of the self the way I might. Mm. Um, and so I think that's why those plays come out that way. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I think... And maybe selfishly, like, I write the plays to, to feel that feeling, you know, to be able to say, like, this is how I feel and, like, this is it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, of course, like, knowing that we live in a structure that can be sort of, that can make you jaded a little bit and make you feel like, oh, I'm only writing for white people. Um, knowing that, I think there's a part of me that also writes hoping that, like, I'll be able to attract people like me to come to see it, which happens. You know, mm -hmm. I'll attract the, you know, of every, for every hundred people that come to the theater who come to the theater every time a new play is out, then there's those 10 people who are new and who read the description on the subway and, and wanted to come see it, you know? Um, and so there is a little bit of like hope, of course, like I'm not just like, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I think there is an inherent violence to being a black person in the theater, a black artist, you know, if you want to make a living as an artist and be black, there's parts of, you know, being, there's parts of working that are completely centered around whiteness. 
And I think that, you know, there's a level of resistance to that fact sometimes, but it's just the truth. You know, there's where money is, there are, there's whiteness. And I think we were maybe getting to a point where, you know, black people have more access to industry and more, um, more opportunity to direct where funds go. But I think at its core, art, art making, art industries are run by white people. So those are the people that are coming to see the work. You know, I, there is an artist, there's a rapper named No Name who, yep. yeah, she, um, she's from Chicago and um, she's a great rapper. She's fantastic. She's kind of, uh, has a, she likes theory, you know, she's has an intellectual bent to her and um, she's kind of actually kind of quiet a little bit. Um, which I love about her, but she uh, a few years ago quit rapping because she said that um, her concerts were like full of like white people mm-hmm. saying the N word to her um, back at her, like when, like rapping the songs back to her. Um, and I thought about that and I was like, yeah, like of course the main people listening to rap music are white people because those are the main people consuming anything, mm. consuming culture. Um, and when we think about what it means to be a black artist, you know, in a lot of ways, especially in America, but I think across the world, frankly, um, one of the world's pastimes is consuming blackness and consuming black people. Um, and so of course our industry is poised and shaped in a way that supports that, you know, yep. Yep. supports the consumption of blackness. Um, so yeah, I don't. I think to answer your question, um, I write for myself because that's the only person there is to write for. Right. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you what is inspiring you at the moment. Like, what has has there some? I mean, and of course, you being across so many different art forms and mediums, it doesn't need to be theater necessarily. Yeah. Um, actually, I do find it quite refreshing when speaking about theater to yeah to to see where people kind of look for for inspiration for ideas for for connections um you know well i think uh the i'm i think i'm a real sap i'm a real sap and i'm (laughs) super super emotional uh and I think that a lot of my work, especially these days, has been centered around sort of like experiencing this new sort of like spectrum of emotions and like also accepting a lot of it has been like accepting that I'm an emotional person and not sort of trying to like tame myself um, and instead sort of just being present within all of the I'm very moody and being like being present within my moodiness and being present within the like sort of um, shifting quality of my personality and, and documenting that. Um, and then also paying attention to that in other people. Like I think um, a lo- I've been really fascinated with like sort of how validation works and like how validation uh, within certain communities, you know, powers people, how it like, you know, how people sort of take it on as fuel, um, how I took it on as fuel as a person um, and what and what's there to replace it, you know, um, especially being such like social creatures and being sort of in a lot of ways needing validation uh, to be able to function on a basic level, but also be able to like, you know, push yourself and to be able to grow uh, needing, you know, validation, um, to do that, but also like sort of rebuking the feeling that it's something I can, I, I live for, you know? Um, so that's a small thing I've been thinking about. Um, I also, uh, you know, I think about intimacy and, and connection often and uh, the nature of relationships, the nature of relating. Um, and, you know, I think 
I think lately my relationships, platonic and romantic and familial, have been a like big source of inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, I there's something about like being able to zero in on the way someone changes you and the way you change them that is like deeply it's like just impressing something on me now you know um you know seeing someone sort of fingerprints on you you know and being able to like examine how your body or your your spirit or your heart has formed around those imprints Mm -hmm. you know um and how you're you can still be fundamentally you but like there are you know like i think about and i think you know this, this is like a grandiose thing and also like a small thing like um I, I i think about that in terms of like you know generational trauma and how you know certain violences are like imprinted into your dna such that you know your genetics your body is now shaped by the experiences of your ancestors you know um you know i think about that in relationships where you know we might develop certain fears fears of the heart based on how we were treated before you know i think i don't know there's just something um really special about that to me about that relationship um i think i've been sort of exploring that in like all of my work regardless of the medium i uh wrote like I just finished a like book of like poems and mm. and photographs that was about that about you know the imprint of people upon you and um I think a lot of my music is is sort of about that um yeah can I ask you can I ask you just because it feels to me like a lot of your work has is springing from you you know and as you say also like you're you're writing it for yourself for other people but also for yourself to understand yourself better to to reflect upon it like how do you in spaces that you also said like can be quite violent um how do you protect yourself like what what is the filter that you use um well i think it's about being or how do you look after yourself like I think it's about being, it's about being upfront about, mm. about your needs. I think first, mm-hmm. you know, any, you know, if a theater approaches me about being a play about doing a play, for example, mm-hmm. and I don't know them, you know, I don't start from the assumption that I, you know, I approach like, you know, this play means a lot to me, this play, you know, trying to explain to them what's happening, asking them what their intentions are being clear about what my intentions are and like sort of holding firm on my, um, on what I need, you know, because I know that if I let the wrong hands hold mm. a play of mine, it, it could be really uh, like detrimental emotionally. Um, I had a similar experience like that um, abroad mm. that where I didn't sort of, I was swept up in the sort of, uh, uh, glamour and the like bigness of the moments and uh, didn't take enough care to like actually be like oh this is like like if I let the wrong person or do the wrong thing with this play then it's like I'm gonna be like scarred and like I was mm. you know mm. um, and I like contemplated quitting and you know uh, almost dropped out of grad school at the time you know I was just like not mm. uh able to function correctly. So, you know, I think I have to like, just be very forward. And I think also it's about surrounding myself with people that I trust, you know, mm-hmm. like I kind of work, I work more often than not in a, in a company form. So mm-hmm. even though I don't have a, I don't have an official company, yeah. official company, I, I have like, you know, a group of collaborators, group of actors and designers mm-hmm. and artists who I work with frequently. And um, and, you know, those relationships have been built over years, you know, um, and it takes a long time for me to like really trust people and like to feel like, oh, this is a person that, you know, can grow with me and can challenge me, but also can like, you know, 
mm-hmm. pat me on the back and you know do all the things that you know yeah. in tandem with each other um yeah i i had to learn that lesson pretty quickly i think yeah. because i'm also quite you know my career is quite fresh so it was kind of like crash coursing into the work and so i was like if i'm gonna like continue to be able to like use art for what i need it for emotionally and also like have a career in it like i have to be able to like really be strict with myself about who has access to me and how you know and have you found like people to look up to or like systems of support that were already in place or some i mean i think um (laughs) i think i'm a little i can be quite uh indignant <laughs> uh and i liked you know i i can be sort of stubborn as well mm-hmm. when i feel when, especially about my work like i feel like sure. i'm like i've made the work i'm gonna do it this way yeah you know what i mean it's like if you don't want to do it then let's not do it that mm-hmm. way but i'm gonna do it this way you know what mm-hmm. i mean uh and so the people you know more often than not it's harder to find i think mentors who make space for that Mm. You know, um, but I think that actually at the court, I felt like they have been a real like uh, support system for me in that way. Like every idea I've posted to them or, you know, any new work or, you know, it's always a, it's always sort of welcomes with open mm. arms, mm. you know, um, and it's not really judged and it's trusted. It's trusted to be. um to be of quality and to mm. be, because it's mine, you know? Um, and so I think because of like, I haven't really, I also think sometimes it's hard working with your, with your idols, Yeah, you know, because, <laughs> you know, you meet them and you're like, oh, this is the person that like, like, you know, there's one, there's, you know, I have writers in my mind who I've like worked with and I've been like, wow, this person is like, mm. they're an auteur and like, yeah. they're like brilliant like i'm like there i gotta get in the room with them and then you get in the room with them and you're like oh my god my heart is being broken you know um <laughs> and so i just kind of you know i think i've just chosen not to engage mm. that relationship type mm. until it's presented to me you know mm-hmm. uh i always hear my like my friends some of my friends like have mentors and like are, are like you know have older artists that they are mm in relationship with and and I yeah I just sometimes wonder what that's like like I'm like that's really <laughs> that's really you know I don't I just have you know I've yeah. sort of saved yeah. that off until it's until I can find the right one you know yeah I, it's interesting because I think sometimes those relationships you know mentors or um in a way, like there's a part of it that when it's transactional, I think works very well. A, mm-hmm. i.e., open your address book, <laughs> you right. know, uh, get me in touch with these people. And I think that's, you know, one thing that is very useful, you know, and quite unemotional, you know, like, right. okay, I, like the, I like the work you do. I want to help you out. And this is how I'm going to help you out. Um, but then I think there's also something interesting about kind of demystifying a bit the you know, the the industry and all that comes with it. And kind of, I guess that's why I was asking the question in terms of where are those people that allow you, allow us as artists, you know, to, to be aware about how, you know, certain things can be weaponized or certain environments can become um, difficult to navigate. Uh, yeah. And that's not only about race, you know, it might have to be, it might have to do with gender. It might have to do with disability, uh, you know, with a number of things. Um, So I guess that's what I was asking is, do you then as an artist feel like a, a sense of responsibility or, or in terms of the legacy you want to build? Um, You know, I do hope that, I do hope that like, you know, I'm also a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, part of my immediate work, I think is about 
you know, being able to create a space for a, a younger artist to like, to experiment and to, mm. and to change, you know? Um, and that's a big part of it is like, mm. how can I make space for you to change safely? You know? Mm. Um, Cause like change is such a turbulent process. It's like, how can I be a, you know, how can I be a, a simpler, how can I make that the simplest thing for you? You know? Um, and so I, I hope that like when I'm a bit older and like have a bit more resource that I'll be able to like do that on a larger scale, you know? Mm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard to think about it's, I think thinking about legacy is really hard for me because uh, I am, you know, quite young and like I am living in a world that, is you know i think you know is grim and so it is it is mm. sort of when i think about like what is the legacy i want to leave it's like you know i don't really i kind of come up empty where i'm like you know it's i know that the legs i know that i will leave a legacy mm-hmm. i know that it will be me and it will be mm-hmm. mine and i know the things that are important to me but but i think about sort of like planning or or even you know the kind of career I might want to build. It's like, mm. it's hard for me to imagine, you know, can't see um, that far. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, and I, <laughs> I quite, you know, I quite treasure that. Mm. I think, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, I treasure that just cause it's like, it makes things, it makes the choice easier. It's like yeah. the choice is what's right in front of me, which is, yeah. you know, great. <laughs> you know, I love that. Like, but I think it's, uh, there was a point where I stopped being able to sort of imagine, mm. you know, imagine the future in a concrete way or imagine my desires for the future. Mm. Um, and so I think I'm just kind of letting that be the truth of the matter, as opposed to sort of like trying to fight that and be like, well, let me try anyway. It's like, I'm, I don't need to, you know, if it's, if that's not what, if my body is not asking that of me, yeah. then I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. One last question. And <laughs> um, what is the burning question you're grappling with at the moment? Do you have one? Um, what's new? What's new? And like, and not even like, it, not, not, and not like mm. what is, what is new now, but it's like, what, uh, is it possible? Mm. to be new i i know the answer to that is probably no but <laughs> uh you know what is newness right you know um there's a i've been reading rereading mark fisher mm-hmm. and his writing on a uh, hauntology and sort of like you know feeling i think his you know he f- he's not a pessimist but he writes you know about culture in such a like cyclical way um that's been yeah it's just making me question sort of like what uh what is the next sensation Mm. you know what is the next uh vibe to ride you know yeah no no that's a great question and um do you think like do you apply that question to to your work as well like in terms of theater and writing well, I, you know, it's like whenever I try to write that way, then it always becomes convoluted. So I've like <laughs> learned not to do that, right? But I think that when I write about something I don't understand, mm-hmm. that's when the new thing is. Mm-hmm. That's when the newness arrives. Um, and so I'm, I think I'm trying to pay attention to more of the things I don't understand. Amazing. Great. Uh, and since you're, uh, you know, in the conversation, you've already kind of dropped a few names of, uh, you know, artists and thinkers. I'd love to, like, this is a question I always ask at the end is like, recommend me something. <laughs> um, my, so my favorite book of poetry mm-hmm. to date 
Yeah. It's called Pillar of Books by uh, Moon Bo Young. I forget who the translator is. Uh, I forget who the translator is, but it is a fantastic mm. piece of poetry. Like it is like, it like changed the way I wrote. I think I read it like two or three years ago and I was oh. like, wow, like this is like truly stunning. Um, Mark Fisher, love him. Uh, I'm in a novel moment, mm-hmm. which I'm usually never in a novel moment. Yeah. I usually only read like poems or like theory. Uh, I'm reading Vladimir by Julia May Jonas, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, but yeah. Great. Well, Nazareth, it was a real pleasure. Thanks so much for speaking with me. Thank you. And yeah. Have a good one. Have a good one too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Royal Court Theatre's Playwright Podcasts. If you'd like to listen to more, make sure you subscribe to get the next episode. The Playwright's Podcast is brought to you by the Royal Court Theatre, presented by me, Omar Elarian, produced by Anushka Warden and Emily Legg, and with music by Karim Samara. Thank you.